hyperventilate. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story this week is technology news. Okay, this is from robreport.com. Rob Report? Yeah. Hi, I'm the Rob, Rob Report. this is my report. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. Uh, the headline is, BMW has made the world's first electrified wingsuit, which reached 186 miles per hour in its first flight. This is yet another iteration of Jetpack Man. That sounds too fast. Yeah, 186. Yeah. That sounds... Way too fast. That was like a guy in the air going that fast. Yeah. Oof. So I will tell you some more details now. Okay. Uh, BMW just successfully sent air sports pioneer Peter Saltzman soaring through the sky at speeds of up to 186 miles per hour in a newly developed electric wingsuit. The innovative concept was a joint effort between BMW, DesignWorks, and Saltzman. Professional skydiver and base jumper said the idea arose while he was thinking of ways to improve performance in the air. I don't know, you uh, know as one does, sure. I guess. Uh, after three years of intensive research and countless test flights in BMW's horizontal wind tunnel, Saltzman and the wingsuit completed the maiden flight over the picturesque mountains of Austria last week. Ooh. Yeah, it's actually really, it looks really pretty, the photos. <laughs> the 33-year-old was dropped by helicopter at just shy of 10,000 feet alongside two other flyers sporting conventional wingsuits. And then I was like, what's a conventional wingsuit? Is that a thing? Yeah. Or is that just like, it's not powered by anything, but it's just like you, mm-hmm. it's just a suit with like, the wings and you yeah, glide? It's kind of like a flying squirrel sort okay. of situation. Okay, that's kind of what I thought, but I was like... I know they exist because of video games, but I have also seen real real versions of them. (laughs) Well, okay, so they dropped him out of a helicopter with two people with a conventional wingsuit, I guess, to, like, compare. I don't know what they did. Yeah. So, um, okay, so this guy's wingsuit enabled him to accelerate faster than his counterparts, um, obviously, because it actually had, like, thrust as part of the suit. Right. Um, and then in the, uh, oh, they also mentioned that the normal wingsuit operators typically reach speeds of around 62 miles per hour. Still too fast. Which is still very fast, but it's like half the speed. Yeah. No, less than half the speed. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wait. This guy went, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Less than half. Yep. <laughs> Had to think. <laughs> Um, so in the video, you can actually see there's a certain part where he uses the, the power to like boost himself, like over like a mountain peak and like gain altitude while the other pilots are just like descending, you know, cause they're just gliding. And, um, and this Aww. article was like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. as they watch their friend go. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is like a real Iron Man kind of situation That's almost. Exciting. How is what is, what is the source of propulsion? This thing mounted to the front of the person, which I will now show you two photos of. That'll help. <laughs> oh, it's like a jetpack on your front. A, another picture from afar. Yeah, uh-huh. it's basically like, yeah, like you're lying prone in the air and the jetpack is like under you. Right. If I had to verbally describe the That's design. Accurate, I would say. Also, I like how it leaves, like, a trail of smoke behind you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That seems fun. 
fun for someone else, I would not do it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is for me. Not but, no. But for him, great. It's great. Great. It's great for Peter. Was that his name? Yes. Wow, I can't believe I remember that. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, also, uh, just as a closing note, he uh, wants to do a flight between the skyscrapers of South Korea next. I don't know. That's kind of a random sure. location, but okay. that's what they said. So that's next on the list for cool videos that they're going to make. More, so. more power to him. So now part of the conspiracy theory, was this the guy at LAX in a jet suit or in a, with a jetpack? Remember the jetpack man? I do remember the jetpack man. I feel like probably <laughs> Maybe it was this no, guy. Because I feel like this is only capable of like horizontal flight having already like been Oh, and not like jetting my... up to like where a plane is. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I'm going to continue the search. Okay. Maybe he had one of these on his back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. My first story is also technology news. This is from NBC. Some Twitter users hate fleets. Here's why new features are usually despised. Have you heard of fleets? Is that the new like stories thing? It's, yeah, it's basically Twitter stories. It's okay. A, it's a fleeting tweet. I have... Oh, that's why it's called that. It's called a fleet because of that, yeah. I get it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't used them or anything. So. Neither have I, but I also don't use regular Twitter that much. So <laughs> Same. So... Anyway, uh, so when Fleet's Twitter's new story feature rolled out on Tuesday, some users were less than thrilled. Uh, Twitter said it added the feature as a way for users to post to create posts with less permanence than a tweet, a, quote, fleeting thought, um, which I kind of thought that's what Twitter was already. I mean, not the permanence part of it, but like I thought it was just where people just kind of vomit their mind contents onto the Internet. Already, yeah, that's kind of my impression overall yeah. of Twitter. Um, I guess now you can for the average person you can vomit your mind contents without worrying about. I mean, I do that. get the appeal of not wanting that to be like permanently stored on your profile forever, right? But also, we have like twenty other apps that can do that at this point. So. Also, that is like know. okay, it's just more of the same. They're all like conglomerating into the same kind of thing. The, yeah, that's I saw just there was weird. at least like one tweet they quoted in here that was just somebody pointing out like all social media platforms are just converging into one yeah, essentially at this that's, point. That's basically what they're doing. Um so while there are valid critiques of fleets and how they could be used in regard to misinformation and harassment, which is Again, a problem with any platform that supports this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Experts say the user's first reaction will typically be to resist changes to a site or app that they've grown accustomed to, even though they typically adopt the change as the preferred version of the platform later on, which I think we've kind of seen with like Instagram and stories. Mm -hmm. seems like stories are much more popular at this point. Yeah, they if definitely just, are on Instagram, but then on Facebook it was kind of weird. But yeah, I feel like Facebook they're gaining a little really, bit. Yeah, like they are, but it's it's still not like really popular. I think to but me, like, it seems like the yeah. same people who post Instagram stories are really into Facebook stories. That could like, be of my friends, and then every like then no one else does. I don't know. <laughs> um, experts said there are many reasons why people haven't immediately warmed up to fleets. Although there are likely many people who love the feature, going against the grain in a highly polarized digital world means risking criticism. And I just wanted to read this quote. You'll see why I think it's funny. Okay. Uh, Whether it's politics or features on social media, people are worried about speaking out against the prevailing opinion because they're worried people 
react so harshly in this cancel culture, said, Karen North, (laughs) a professor of digital social media at the University of Southern California's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, Karen, Karen, (laughs) went on to say, (laughs) even though it's not quite as strong in things like whether you like a Twitter feature, the fact is the zeitgeist right now is one of hostility towards people with different opinions. Which is true, but also, okay, Karen. (laughs) I wonder why Karen's worried about cancel culture. Um, (laughs) uh, I shouldn't make fun of her, but I am. It's not her fault. Yeah, that's true. It's her parents' fault. Uh, Fear of getting canceled is just one factor in why so many users may fall in line with the opinion that a new feature is bad. But North and other experts say that groupthink, bandwagoning, and resistance to change also play a major role. Which, I don't know if there's any surprises there, but I just thought it was an interesting analysis of Hmm. why everyone freaks out every time any kind of social media platform introduces a new feature or a new layout or anything. Yeah, everyone always freaks out, no matter what it is. Inevitably is fine with it in like a couple days. Right. Like. That's just always how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I think that they all realize that at this point. So they're just like, yeah, we're just going to do it. <laughs> Let's just freak out for the fun of it. Okay, my next story is health news. This is from globalnews.ca. And the headline is, Canadian researchers say hyperventilating may help combat alcohol poisoning. Huh. Now, I would just like to clarify immediately that it's actually hyperventilating with a device, not just like okay, not sitting just, by yourself. Not just they're going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is definitely what I thought from this headline originally. But right. yeah. So uh, Canadian researchers say they've developed a game-changing method to treat alcohol poisoning, and it involves literally breathing alcohol out of the body by hyperventilating. And uh, the results of their research show that it's three times faster than relying on the liver alone to like metabolize alcohol. That's quite a bit faster. Yeah. Lead researcher Joseph Fisher, a senior scientist at University Health Network's Toronto General Hospital Research Institute, calls the technique a no-brainer that does not have side effects and involves a very simple mechanical device to assist breathing. Now, he said it doesn't have side effects, but like that's actually not... True, because later in the article, they talked about the side effects of hyperventilating in general, which is like being lightheaded, mm-hmm. tingling and numbness, and like fainting <laughs> if right, you do yeah. it too much. <laughs> so I don't know. That was a little bit contradictory, but huh. I think what they probably meant was like compared to like certain health issues you may be suffering if you are actually suffering from alcohol poisoning in that right, moment, right. it's not going to be. It's comparatively. Like, yeah, it's like, comparatively. The side effects like, are less. Not really it's negligible basically right um so fisher's approach relies on a device that um i guess like just helps regulate your breathing in this way um it's like the size of a small briefcase and it uses like this valve system and like a tank and compressed carbon dioxide i guess and just helps you like just kind of forces you to breathe more rapidly yeah um, so in the study that they published, they only actually had five volunteers that that did this, which is kind of a low sample size, but like, yeah, it's kind of just a proof of concept, I guess. Um, but those, like all five of them um, got the same results, basically. So they, they all drank half a glass of vodka, apparently, oh, as the, the test. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and they were able to 
I don't know how they didn't go in all the details how they measured this, but all five of them were able to eliminate the alcohol out of their system three times faster than they would have if they were just relying on their liver. Hmm. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, because um, basically there's no, there is no like current way to do that, to achieve that. Right, there's basically. not like a cure for alcohol poisoning. Right. But this is probably the best treatment option we, like, we would have. Yeah, like there isn't any like you just like if you have it in your bloodstream you have to just wait you know mm-hmm. and so that's his whole point is like he's trying to do work to help with like something that you could do right um yeah, to help I, people that are in that situation so huh, yeah i think it's i think it's cool but yeah i guess just the increased amount of oxygen or something must just accelerate all the processes that are like making things like, pro- like so that just speed up the natural processes is they explained the it a little bit that it's because like the alcohol actually like evaporates into your lungs oh. a little bit. And so when you increase breathing, you actually are increasing so the rate just of that. Breathing it out. Yeah. You're basically yeah. Oh, okay. You're literally breathing it it's out. It's not even that fancy of an explanation. It's just that you're getting it. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, which I never like I didn't know that that was a thing that was happening in your body. Like if you yeah, ha- drank alcohol, that. like that it's like evaporating into your like exhale breath. <laughs> like <laughs> I guess I didn't that's know why that. a breathalyzer works, right? That makes sense. <laughs> that makes so much more sense now. I never made that connection. <laughs> yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. We're learning okay. a lot. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully you are too. <laughs> My next story is food news. This is from CNN. It's a good follow-up to your last story. Okay. Waffle House teams up with Georgia's Oconee Brewing Company to produce a bacon-flavored beer. Here's something, Whoa. Here's something new to get alcohol poisoning from. <laughs> um, hopefully not. Also, it doesn't sound that good to me. Waffle-flavored, uh, huh? No, bacon-flavored. Oh, sorry. I don't know why it's... <laughs> I you mixed had Waffle up the, House on yes. the mind. Yeah. I mixed up the words in my brain. <laughs> bacon-flavored. Okay. Yes. Waffle House, the iconic restaurant chain, as they felt the need to point out, uh, has teamed up with Georgia-based brewery Oconee Brewing Company to offer the first Waffle House branded beer called, wait for it, Bacon and Kegs. That is clever. Right? I actually thought, I like it, was, that. I thought it was a pretty, pretty clever name. Um, a couple months ago, a group of uh, executives from Waffle House were invited over to the brewery for a taste test. Uh, the red ale was one of several of the styles of brew that their uh, brewmaster, Taylor Lamb, gave them to sample. Bacon extract was added, and bacon and kegs was born. And I just want to pause on the concept of bacon extract, because, <laughs> what is <laughs> what, is, what that? is that? Okay, I am going to speculate here. They put bacon in a jar. Yes. They put some type of fat also in that jar, like an oil or something. Okay. They let that just sit. For a month. Okay. <laughs> and then they, <laughs> and then they take, <laughs> and then they take the bacon out of it, and what the fat that's left is the extra. They add that to the beer. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just wondering how far off I am from reality, but that's what I am imagining. That is. Mm, this beer is very oily. <laughs> it's a greasy beer. <laughs> that sounds so gross. It does not sound. It doesn't sound great. 
but I mean, there's bacon flavored things. Like we've accomplished this before. I'm sure yeah. that's fine. Uh, the beer will be available at the brewery starting on December 18th in six packs and on draft, which will include growler fills of the beer. So you can only get it in Georgia, unfortunately. Um, or fortunately, actually, I, again, I'm not that interested, in <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Waffle house beer. Bacon I would and try cakes. it. I mean, I'd try it. I'll try any beer once. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> I don't know. I think it could taste good. I mean, it could be like, well, I feel okay. like it depends on the extent to which the bacon flavor, like how bacon. Yeah. Is. If it's just like a hint. A little sousson of bacon. Hmm. I think. Nice uh, vocabulary Thank usage you. there. Yeah. Sousson. Okay, next they have to make an eggs flavored beer to go with the bacon beer. Yeah, and so that you can open that can and pour it directly <laughs> down the drain because ew. <laughs> My next story is entertainment news. This is from CNET.com. And the headline is, Lego creates largest set ever, Rome's Colosseum. I saw this. I assumed you had seen this, but I still brought it anyway. uh, I'm so tempted. (laughs) I don't know where I would put it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's the biggest one. You have to get it. Uh, Um, Your Lego figures are about to embark on a heart-stopping adventure with chariot races and gladiatorial combat. But first, you'll need to assemble 9,036 pieces to create the Colosseum in Rome, the largest Lego brick set launched to date. Architecture buffs as well as Lego fans will find plenty to admire here. Uh, This is a statement from Lego. This epic Lego model features a recreation of the three distinct stories from the Colosseum, with each of these stories adorned with the columns of the Doric, Ionic, and Corinthian orders. Oh, wow. So apparently it's, like, pretty detailed, and they tried to make it really authentic. I do love columns. Yeah, me too. We've had this conversation. We've had this conversation. (laughs) We like columns. Oh, man. (laughs) So the 9,036 pieces of the Colosseum snatched the record for biggest Lego set from the 7,541-piece Star Wars Millennium Falcon Mm. released in 2017. Yeah. I don't have that one. You don't? Yeah, okay. I was just going to say, I don't. But I think I, I, I think the third biggest set might be the Hogwarts Castle, which I do have. That one's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, Lego recommends this for builders 18 and up. We can check the box cool. there. Yep. That's check. good. We're old enough. Check, oh check. <laughs> uh, and it's going to be available starting November 27th, which is Black Friday in the U.S. So, mm. But it's really expensive. Yeah, I know. So anyone who's bought Lego sets before can probably guess what the price is. I won't say it here, but it's very high. It's the most expensive set I think I've ever seen them produce, and I've bought some expensive sets from them. Um, But yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't know. I might buy, like, not this set, but maybe a different Lego set for myself at some point soon. Yeah. I love. They're fun. You know I love building Legos. And also, like, doing puzzles and building kind of things is a Mm -hmm. nice thing to do, like, while you're quarantining at home. Yep. It's a great activity that doesn't require going anywhere. Right. (laughs) So. My next story is technology news. This is from ZDNet.com. <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> uh, 
the worst passwords of 2020 show we are just as lazy about security as ever. Wait, they have a list of the worst passwords? <laughs> yep. How um, did they get these passwords? I will tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not nefarious. Okay. Nefari- nefarious? I think it's nefarious. I think it's nefarious. Uh, in 2015, the worst passwords still commonly used included one, two, three, four, five, six, and password. <laughs> Fast forward five years, and these examples are still very much alive. We've learned nothing in those five years. Um, so they analyzed 275,699,516 passwords that were leaked during 2020 data breaches. So these are passwords oh. that were leaked by other things, and they just scooped them up. And Okay. Um, but this is specifically stuff that was leaked in 2020. Um, NordPass, which I think is some like password manager company, um, and their partners found that the most common passwords are incredibly easy to guess, and it could take less than a second or two for attackers to break into accounts using these credentials. Only 44% of those recorded were considered unique. So more than half of them are like fall into these like incredibly common. That's not good. Passwords. It's really not. <laughs> on Wednesday, the Password Manager Solutions Provider published its annual report on the state of password security, finding that the most popular options were 123456, 1234567891, picture 1, password hmm. and 12345678. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I have questions. Isn't I'm, I may or may not have answered. <laughs> Using the word password as your password won't, like, everything just, like, not let you even do that now? The best sites should prevent you from having just numbers or the word password or even just, like, common dictionary terms. But security is lax in a lot of websites as well in, like, enforcing that kind of thing. I guess so. Um, They pointed out, with the exception of picture one, which would take approximately three hours to decipher using a brute force attack... Uh, each password would take seconds using either dictionary scripts, which compile common phrases and numerical combinations to try, or simple human guesswork, uh, <laughs> especially in the case of password. Um, the article also gives some advice for choosing a strong password or using a password manager, um, but they didn't point out what I think is like one of the most important things you can do, and that's configuring multi-factor authentication on yeah. everything that supports it. Um, yeah. I was actually lo- I was looking up some stats just to like back this up, but like Microsoft has said like multi-factor authentication is like 99% effective at protecting your accounts. I don't, I don't know how they measure that, but like it makes sense even just from like, it's just, if you just think about it, like it's the chance, the chance of somebody stealing or guessing your password is quite high. The chance of somebody stealing and guessing your password and also having access to your phone is very low. Right. Um, there are ways to do it. It's much harder, though, than... Yeah. Like, there, there are ways to, like, intercept calls and stuff, but... Oh. Intercept texts and stuff, but I, it's much more advanced, and hackers aren't going to go for harder targets if there's so many easier ones to go for. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. I'd ha- right. So, my personal recommendation, set up multi-factor authentication wherever you can. Strong passwords are good. Password managers are even better. The ones that generate, like, a weird string of characters that's mm-hmm. basically impossible to, to break. Um, what would you say to people out there that are like, well, what if they just guess the password to my password manager? Then your password manager should have multi-factor authentication. <laughs> and, and just... Okay. 
I mean, yeah. the, the whole advantage of a password manager is that you have to remember one difficult password yeah. as opposed to a slew of, of all easy these things. or one easy to guess password that's just going to result in all your stuff getting hacked. Because as soon as they find one account that they can get into, they're going to try that password and Everywhere. email on every single thing. Yep. And, it's, and it's easy. That's yeah. easy. Sorry, I get kind of worked up about security, <laughs> I, can, I, can, I guess. Uh, but I can just, tell. No, this is great. This is a great PSA, though. This right, is good information for people to know. Yeah. it's There's a lot. Like they said, three hours to brute force that picture one, even, which is literally just trying a just, bunch of different patterns. Yeah. Like, combinations three hours is nothing and it's only gonna get oh, faster yeah. yeah so like okay did this say about like how many characters really do you need to have a strong password if it's like random letters and numbers how many characters make they, it strong yeah they didn't they didn't say um and that's another like long passwords even if they're easy to remember can be effective as well like they call that a passphrase mm-hmm. when it's like actually several words the unfortunate thing is a lot of websites limit the upper like have an upper limit on the number of characters you can enter in addition to a minimum number, oh. which kind of limits the utility of that. But brute force is very difficult. Like the more character, every character you add to a password is like exponentially harder for a brute force program to, to guess. So yeah, there's just some, t- there's, there's plenty of uh, like advice and articles out there about what you should do with passwords. Um, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's off the top of my head. What, uh, what I would recommend and, <laughs> And what I know. Well, that's great advice. And we'd like to tell everybody to do do your research on passwords and take the time now. Because <laughs> getting hacked is real. It's very real. <laughs> so you don't want that to happen to you. Yes. All right. It's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look for stories that just happened today or were just posted today. And we read them to you on the fly. Wingsuit. Ready, set, Go! go! Okay, I found this on UPI, and it's a Guinness World Record story Ooh. that I feel like we haven't had one like. of those in a while. Yeah, apparently it was recently like Guinness Day or something, or Guinness World Record Day. I don't know. So like, there was a bunch of stories of this in the past week, but I liked this one. Um, woman visits all seven continents, breaks Guinness record. Uh, so she actually broke the record for how quickly she visited all seven continents. Okay, I was about to say, I'm sure Not the somebody's fact that she, done yeah. that before. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that was my first thing, too. I was like, wait a minute. People have definitely done it. Uh, no, it's a woman from United Arab Emirates went to all seven continents in three days, 14 hours, 46 minutes, and 48 seconds. What? That, what? Which is incredibly fast. I mean, to if be you a think about like. a logistical nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know how she even did that. Like, it didn't go into the details, unfortunately, of how. Yeah. But I'm like, how did you even do that? Like, because you have to, the flights alone to do that, I feel like would take, like, over two days of just, if you were just flying. Right. Like, straight to, you know. Was it a private it? plane, did they say? It didn't say. Because that seems like the most obvious way you could make that happen. It didn't but say. But you still have yeah. to coordinate, like, at each landing site. It's like, as soon as you land, refuel the plane, and like, go, go, go. Yeah. And, like, you've got to factor in time for, like, pilots to sleep, and, like, like you can't have the same pilot going for three days. Right. Yeah, it's not like you could just be like, hey, my buddy's going to fly me around the world. <laughs> like, right. 
for three days straight with no sleep or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not it, – it didn't say exactly how she did it. I, apparently, you probably have to go buy the Guinness book and look at all the details or something. I, I don't know. But That's she did you. it. It's very impressive. Yeah. That's a lot of traveling. That sounds In that amount of time. <laughs> yeah, it, it just said that she she ended her trip in Sydney, Australia. And I guess that was like the final – Yeah, and then slept for four days. Um, Set a new record. <laughs> yeah, so that was just one of the one of the things. There's a lot of lot of news stories lately on Guinness records. Yeah. Lots of random stuff people are doing. It's it's always fun to read those. Yeah, that's a cool one though. Around the world in yeah. three days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what's that one book? It's around, around the world, the world in, in eighty days. days. <laughs> yeah, they got that beat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found this on MarketWatch.com. Ooh. Pizza Hut selling a $150 weighted blanket that looks like a slice of pepperoni pizza. <laughs> and also, I dispute the headline because the picture looked like a, it was actually a whole pizza. But oh. They also point out the size and diameter. So if it's a slice, then, I mean, I guess technically it could be the diet. It's not. <laughs> Unclear. I'm pretty sure it's a full-size pizza. Okay. Anyway. Pizza Hut has partnered with Gravity Blanket to create a limited edition weighted blanket based on the chain's original pan pizza. The weighted pizza blanket is selling for $150, weighs 15 pounds, and is 72 inches in diameter. (laughs) It's a big blanket. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Weighted blankets are reported stress relievers with fans and research indicating that they have a calming effect. I've never used one before. I actually got a weighted blanket recently. Yeah. And it's really nice. You do like it? I do like it. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. It it just like feels good to be under it. Yeah, it's hard to explain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do I want one that's a pizza? Not sure. Yeah. Do I think a lot of people will buy this? Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. Apparently, one hundred fifty dollars is a, is actually cheaper than a like classic gravity blanket. Oh, really? As well, so. Oh, I got mine at Costco. Oh, so yeah. it was like I'm sure there's non gravity gravity. Or non Yeah, it wasn't like a brand name one. I don't know, but yeah. it was reasonably present. But it was it's big and it works. But anyway, yeah, that one. That's an interesting concept. I like the people at Pizza Hut. They're trying to be creative. They're like, we got to make money somehow. We can't do it on the food. We got to sell these other products. <laughs> the food is gross. We need this. <laughs> oh my goodness, Pizza Hut. They're like this. Business from the '90s that just keeps that keeps being keeps being. uh be, being yeah they just <laughs> they keep plugging along keep existing they have Look challenges and they just keep going and yeah. I I kind of admire them for that yeah won't eat their pizza though I mean I don't really I don't really ever eat there but <laughs> good for them but good for them <laughs> all right that's our show thanks for listening everybody. Uh, We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews, and on Twitter at at knickknacknews, and on Instagram at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye!